When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, hour number two of Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, and now I had to make sure that Judd Zolgad could be a part of the conversation today. He's doing four other podcasts, three other shows. He's got twins. He's got Mackie and Judd with Rami. There's a podcast with Royce, but I forced you, Judd, to carve out time when the Minnesota Vikings have a kicking controversy. We need you here on the radio. Can you think of a better Zolgadian weekend? Then the Twins' third base coach to screw up monumentally and the Vikings to toy with something. Is there a better Zolgad weekend? It was just this perfect. Is my, yep. This is probably the best weekend of my life since I was 21 and, and could drink a lot. And how about um, tempting fate, I would say, Jake Odorizzi talking about how, hey, we're <laughs> not right. even from here. Yeah, that's, that's right. I was standing right there. It was, it was outstanding. Calm down. I know, I know the history here, but calm down. We're not from here. Yeah, this weekend was was top five. Yep. I don't know, uh, Jake, if you want to tempt fate with that, because that's the quote we're going to go back to absolutely forever. If you guys botch this, uh, in, well, they've already blown the lead anyway, the right. Twins, and now um, there's the possibility they don't even win the division, and uh, at least there was some good news this on This could turn Nelson up in Vikings copy. Yeah, yeah. The, the Odo quote? It could cross over. Don't worry. We're not from here. We're professional athletes. We can handle this famous last word. Oh, man. That's, I was just thinking to myself, why, Jake? The fact that you're not from here would be the only reason you would ever say that. Right. Something so foolish. Uh, anyway, so the Vikings, Judd, this is great. They've had a very good offensive performance in training camp. I think everyone's been impressed. The offense looks great the other night. They put up 460 yards. They run all over the Saints. Every quarterback looks good. Sloter's thrown around. Mannion's thrown around. Defense a little questionable, but it was the backups on defense, not the starters. And here comes controversy anyway, somehow, with the Vikings making a trade for a fifth-round kicker-slash-punter, which this is just going to go in the all-timers, right? Yes. Of them trading for not a kicker, not a punter, yes. but a kicker-slash-punter yes. who might be exceptional at, wait for it, holding the football because they can't find anyone else to do it. So just give me the whole <laughs> give me the whole reaction, Judd. Give me all of your reactions to this 
trade of a fifth-round pick for Kerry Vedvik. Well, actually, my reaction starts here now. This is the uh, third time in the Spielman regime in recent years, going back to, what, uh, 2012 with Blair Walsh? Fifth-round pick there, right? Daniel Carlson, sixth-round pick? Uh, Fifth. Fifth-round pick. Okay, but the point being is you have now expended a third draft pick in the last eight or ten years on kickers, guys that you can find on the street. Uh, but just the fact that this team, which is b- their biggest controversy in all of training camp so far, and this is a team that obviously ordinarily has something go wrong or controversy. Their biggest controversy was Kirk Cousins talking about Garrett Bradbury's butt sweat. But besides that, nothing, right? right. Yeah. All quiet. Remarkable. At, I mean, if you're Zim, I'm thinking, oh, this is absolutely perfect. I don't have any storylines to deal with here. It's just football, football, football. And, and I've got a veteran kicker, and yeah, he might not be perfect, but he's a veteran. I've got a kicking consultant. I'm ignoring kicking if I'm Zim. Um, and now you go and make a trade. You trade a fifth-round pick for a guy who can and – and I'll tell you, Collar, I know exactly how this is going to play out and how the Vikings are going to bleep this up. You bring in this guy. It looks like he's going to punt, and it looks like your punter is out of a job. Okay. All right, if that was it, if this guy was a punter, I'd be like, well, okay, that's fine. But you know what's going to happen now. This guy's going to be held over Dan Bailey's poor little head at every single turn that he sure. trots on the field. Zim's going to Zim's going to say, uh, Dan, you know, if you miss here, I got a guy that can kick. I, I got a guy that can kick. And, and by the way, also, don't forget this one. Do not underestimate the fact that Spielman, and I don't know why he likes to get cute, but he does. Spielman now, in the meantime, has drafted a long snapper. The long snapping competition between uh, Cutting and McDermott is over. McDermott was cut. And so... Cutting's the guy, but he's a rookie long snapper. Like we, and I can go down the list here of people that Zim doesn't have patience for quarterbacks, kickers, punters, long snappers. You know, in fact, we should go through the schedule today, Matthew Collar, and we should predict when is the first long snapping uh, snafu going to happen? When is the first long snapping mix up going to occur? Because it's going to occur. Zim is going to melt down. It's just, it's so Vikings to get overly cute with a situation that didn't need it. And now I guarantee you, I guarantee you that either the holder's going to screw up the long snapper, they both might screw up Dan Bailey. Dan Bailey, right now, if I'm Dan, I go to the Vikings and say, you know what, it's been fun. Just cut me. Just cut me. I'll go to Chicago. Just please, please, dear God, I can't take I can't take the torture anymore of playing for this team and being held to a standard that I don't know what the standard is. Just cut me. Let this guy kick and punt. You know what? This kid, this kid should kick, punt, and hold himself. Let's see <laughs> if he can be the first guy to hold and kick at the same time. Why are they doing this? Uh, I went to thesaurus.com just now and looked up all the synonyms for snafu. Yes. Uh, we've got blunder. Foul up, uh, miscalculation, mix up, slip up, blooper, bungle, error, flub, mess, oversight, screw up, slip, <laughs> false step, faux pas, goof up, and misjudgment. Yep. So feel free to use any of those when describing and- this situation uh, and when whatever it comes uh, does eventually happen. Now, I, l- let me try to pull back a little bit because that was a tremendous rant and i appreciate that and that's what i drove in for today right now by the way um (laughs) i'm gonna find it so okay here's my theory on this it is that matt weil has just not been all that good now we can actually 
rewind back to the end of last year mm-hmm. where they decide last year's camp mm-hmm. where they decided that Ryan Quigley was not good enough and they decided to get cute and bring in Matt Weil yes. who had a punt blocked and had that not happened yes then we might have been talking about a win in Green Bay right correct so they got yes. a new kicker and new punter Last offseason, after going to the NFC Championship and being just fine with Kai Forbath and Ryan Quigley, and then they get cute, they change those two positions, and one game they lose because of it in Green Bay, and ultimately miss the playoffs by, you guessed it, that half of game that they did not win in Green Bay. And now they've got... Weil, who punted, I think, just fine for the most part last year. Zimmer had some criticism about his directional punting, but all right, whatever. He's been all right. And Dan Bailey had some struggles last year, but now more comfortable. Maybe he's 100% healthy. I haven't thought that it's been a disaster in camp. It's just he, he can't seem to put together a perfect day. But, okay, you got this same battery that you've been using, and, and now you're going to change it up. Now you're going to bring in a new long snapper. All right, well, now that's causing problems, according to Zimmer. And Weil can't hold the ball correctly, so now you're going to bring in a wide receiver to try to hold the ball, and he doesn't know how to do it and has not done it, I'm sure, in a really long time. Yes. So now you have to trade a draft asset for, which I know it's a fifth-round pick, but still another draft asset used to bring in a guy who will probably punt, but, as you said, will be breathing down the neck of Dan Bailey and even could possibly punt and kick, which just sounds like the worst idea ever because if that guy gets hurt, then there's no one to punt or kick. And also, aren't these specified skills? Like Now you're asking someone to do both of them potentially? And and, and also, to piggyback off those points, we are talking about a a punter out and kicker out of Marshall who, who went to training camp with the Ravens last year where he had no chance to make the team because they've got Tucker, at least as a kicker, and then missed the entire season because he had an incident in Fell's Point where he got assaulted in some weird late-night deal, and so he missed the entire year after that, and now he's he was back in camp with Baltimore go, uh, going great guns there, which is fantastic, but he's still young. And he's never kicked or punted in a regular season oh, game where man. the pressure changes. And, and you are giving him to a head coach who, just by definition, hates him. And you know as well as I do that these kids who can look absolutely great on practice fields, right, and mm-hmm. preseason games, and I'm not saying that those are simple, but it's a hell of a lot different in Week 15 if a playoff spot's on the line, and, and I don't care how big your leg is at that point, Matthew, the problem becomes the psychological, can you put it through the uprights, can you get the punt? To, I mean, why are they introducing, they, they continue to give Mike these people that he shouldn't have, like, he needs a veteran kicker. He needs a veteran punter. I think he needs a veteran long snapper. And the kicking consultant idea I loved because I, I would have just said, Mike, don't talk to these people. Yeah. Like, we know Zimmer. I'm not kidding, too. I Like, I'm not being flippant. I'm not joking. Mike Zimmer defensively is really good. And I like him as a head coach. But I also think he has limits. And I don't understand why his GM keeps doing this. Explain it to me. I I wish I could, um, but usually the goal is to find consistent kicker, punter, long snapper, and keep those guys for a really long time. Like, how many kickers has Bill Belichick had as a head coach of the New England Patriots? Is it two? Is it only Adam Vinatieri and Steven Goskowski, and that's it? I think you might be right, actually. 
I think it's only those Terry two. Goes back. He, he won the Rams Super Bowl game, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, he, I think it was. I think it's two. If it's not two, then maybe somebody, somebody in his first year start. or something. But yeah. I mean, you're you're literally talking about keeping two. Now Belichick has changed the punter a number of times. Whatever, sure. right? But usually it's the same. And for a lot of long snappers. They will retire or something or lose their job after like 10 years that they've been the same long snapper for a team because once you get one and he's pretty good, then you want to keep him, right? Never change And it. Uh, even just earlier in the last hour, Sage Rosenfels was talking about reps and just the number of times that it takes before you feel very comfortable snapping, catching, holding, kicking. And with Mike Zimmer saying that this is a legit problem with them not having any chemistry and timing with each other, it's like, why would you make this change? I mean, maybe this guy is a great kicker or a great punter or whatever he can do, Vedvik, but I don't understand, even from the long snapper perspective, Kevin McDermott is a fine long so snapper. So why were you having a competition there, though? Why did you yeah, draft one? Know. Why not just cut him, right, and then just give like you don't one need, guy all the reps? That's not a comp- long snapper is not a competition spot. Yeah. It's a let's get on the same page spot. Right. Zimmer's right, so it makes no sense what they're doing. It doesn't. Why wouldn't you just cut Kevin McDermott the moment that you draft him? It's not like there's a development curve from snapping in college to snapping in the NFL. It's the same thing. And I think giving Mike a rookie long snapper is tempting fate. I really do. Because that's that's a position that looks really, really simple until it doesn't. And guess what? When it doesn't, Matthew, all hell breaks loose. Yep. The ball skips past the holder, goes to the kicker, let's say. <laughs> he gets trucked. A big guy picks it up and runs in for a touchdown. Like they are they are literally they are the kid that can't stand stability. Yeah. Or the know, person that can't and, stand stability. For kid. The, and they'll say things like, oh, well, we've just been trying to improve every position all the time. But in this case, sometimes it's leave well enough alone. You, I, I was buying the Dan Bailey, you know, had to make a lot of adjustments last year coming from Dallas to here and was probably still a little bit hurt. And now he's back and he's a very accurate kicker. I was buying all of that. Um, my impression of Dan Bailey from talking to him on a number of occasions is he seems like a very mature and mentally sound type of person. He doesn't come across like Blair Walsh where you totally got it talking to him for about two minutes. Yep. Like this guy seems like a little scatterbrained and maybe a little insecure, and that is not Dan Bailey. And it wasn't Kai Forbath either. Kai Forbath was very comfortable with Kai Forbath. He would dress super weird to get on planes and stuff, and he was strange to talk to. And you're like, perfect. That's a guy who's comfortable being Kai Forbath, and that's what you want. But Kai Forbath makes a 52-yard field goal in a playoff game, and you decide, no, I need something else. I need someone unproven. Because he didn't make extra points. Because yeah, right, He didn't which, make enough which, extra points. That's what their whole logic was. I know, which but, totally but you know could have been resolved But you know what else? What's, what's even more frustrating than that one is the Quigley one. Right, because Quigley was fine. He, yes. he was he among was, he was the definition of he's fine. He was among the league leaders when it came to inside the twenty punts from the year before. If I remember, he had some crazy stat where he had like zero touchbacks yes. during the two thousand seventeen season. I yeah. think that set a record. Yes, and he wasn't a guy who was going to lead the league in punting yards. But that team had a really good defense. They were constantly in good field position, so you're not trying to punt it seventy yards. Usually, correct. The punter who leads the league in longest punts mm-hmm. is on some horrendous team mm-hmm. almost every single year. Mm-hmm. And then that guy gets a ton of credit for being so great. But a lot of times, 
He's really not. It's, if they can all punt it real far, that's not generally the goal. Absolutely. Um, so to change that to somebody, again, who is inexperienced, it's like sometimes you have to be smart enough to know what you don't know. You like, Don't think you know that Daniel Carlson will be great. Don't think you well, know Austin Cutting will but, be great. Don't think you know Matt Weil Car- will be great. But the Carlson one, the Carlson one is such an easy one, and, and this was not hindsight, or it's not because we called this at the time. And now I'm seeing tweets. Well, Carlson went to Oakland, and if, if they had been patient, he kicked really well. No, he wouldn't have been here because you gave him to a head coach who, as I'm telling you people, hated his guts, and he didn't want to have to put up with a rookie snot-nosed kicker. And guess what? Daniel Carlson was a kid. He was sensitive about it. Yep. And he, that Green Bay game was a, a clinic on a human being falling apart. And, and, and I'm telling you, I mean, he was falling apart. And, and to think that if, oh, if they had just held on, no, it was never going to work here. And one thing that I have consistently heard about Mike Zimmer as a head coach is that he can just be very harsh on people. And we know that. I don't think that's a super secret, but that he can ride people sometimes who can't really take it. And Zimmer himself has said, oh, well, you know, there are times where I need to make adjustments with the way I deal with people, and you can only change so much. So mm-hmm. uh, you got to have somebody who is able to take it and who's able to handle his pressure. I think Dan Bailey is that guy because he's just been around for a really long time, and it's not going to mess him up at all. But now you bring in Kerry Vedvik, who we don't know anything about. Kicking preseason, there is no pressure there. It means nothing. He's got a big leg. Okay, that's great. Right, congratulations. There's a million kickers who do. So we don't even know if the guy can kick. If they were giving up a fifth rounder for Robbie Gold or somebody who had been around a long time, then I would say, okay, well, this makes sense. Bailey hasn't been that great, and this is a guy who's kicked. When they got Forbath, it was like, okay, this guy has kicked he's been good and they got him to replace Blair Walsh good job and then he was fine but when you're talking about a guy who's never kicked before that is just kind of believing way too much in your own ability to scout a kicker I think and they love to get cute and and I'm sure in their mind they blocked him from going to Chicago but here's the problem too so okay so here is the trickle-down effect of this trade next year when Rick starts trading down and bailing out and not taking players that we all think, why wouldn't you take that guy? And he's like, but I, I got a fifth round. In his mind, he, he is now going to, from this day forward, work to get that fifth round pick back. And so the draft, but the draft that we just saw, right? Which was at some point in time, he said, are you going to stop bailing backwards and actually take talented players here? That's not what he does. So he's going to think to himself, okay, I made that trade for the kicker and I lost a fifth rounder. So I got to get two fifth rounders back. So I'm going to trade my – and this is how we get into the cycle that we saw in the 2019 draft. But I'm going to give you – okay, so as much as this guy gets ripped, deservedly so, I'm going to give you what Brad Childress did 2006, gets the, the job here, right? He inherits – if I'm not mistaken, I'm almost positive I'm right – Cullen Leffler as his long snapper, Chris Cluey as his punter. And Cluey had his flaws, but he was stable. And they go out and they sign Ryan Longwell from the Packers. Four-year, I believe, free agent deal. And guess what? From that day forward, Brad Childers was set with those specialists. And Longwell was perfect. He, he was the perfect guy to sign because he was a veteran. He was unflappable. He wasn't going to, and Brad was not going to go to him and threaten him continually. That's the norm, I think. 
right? The norm is you set those specialists, you find three guys that you like, but then you don't tinker with them like they're your uh, second-team linebacker. Yeah, you don't try to chase around the ups and downs, I think, is part of it. that You're always going to have with these positions some guys who one year kick 90 percent and the next year kick 80 percent conditions change things change around them maybe there's something mechanical but if you're trying to constantly chase who's going to be the hot kicker i mean that's really hard to do that i mean that's almost like just you know trading out three-point shooters hoping that you get one that comes in that just happens to shoot 45 percent for a month or something and then hope that person is is gonna ride that for a really long time you don't really know i mean this guy kicking it real far is great in preseason, but we but how many forty yard kicks are are going to happen as opposed to fifty eight yarders every once in a while you get one every six weeks, but how about the forty five yarders consistently hitting those is something that I would trust Dan Bailey a lot more. So that means to me that um, now Bailey has this extra pressure and maybe they're going to cut wild, but they didn't cut wild right away. And, well, and, he well, ran off, and he ran off the practice field. And he field. ran off the practice field <laughs> without talking. And like, but, but, but why wouldn't you just cut wild right away? Why didn't you cut McDermott? Why did you draft a yeah, long snapper I, yeah, and then this, not cut McDermott? And it, it all pulls back to this, that if you're on this team, if you're on the offense, or you're on the defense, you've got to be looking over there going, what the bleep is going on over there, guys? If this is allegedly 33% of the game, which it isn't, you know how they say, like, oh, it's, a, it's oh, one-third yeah. of the game? It's not. Game, yeah. I think there was a study, and I was like, 10% of the game. But anyway. But it's an important 10% because if it gets screwed up, you're dead. But but if, you're, if you've been here, a lot of the players have been here and seen all this. You're like, what are you guys doing? I mean, they can't have any other reaction than that. If you're a Thielen or you're Everson Griffin or you're like Harrison Smith, one of these guys who's been through the Walsh and been through the four bath getting cut and everything else, you've got to just be pulling your hair out. So this is going to be fun for us to watch, but from the GM perspective, I'm not sure why you wouldn't just leave well enough alone with a camp that's going great for you. That's what I was going to say. Why are you messing with this? And why are you... and and why are you creating a potential huge story where you didn't have to? Okay. Uh, if you're Bailey, what's your reaction right now? If you're Bailey, you you now have a long snapper who's finally going to be doing it full-time in camp. You don't know who's going to hold, which, by the way, is pretty damn important, right? Yes, yes. So, like, if you're Bailey, I'm not kidding. I would almost go, hey, guys, if you want to use the new kid, that's great, because I, I can get a job. Yeah. Why don't you just trade me to somebody else who really wants or a kid? Or just kicker. cut me. I'll go sign somewhere. I can um, sign with Chicago, maybe. Let's take a break here. There is a very interesting story about Mitch Trubisky and his performance so far in training camp that I want to run by you. Okay. And also, if you, um, excuse me, if you have any reactions to Kyle Sloter, a.k.a. your son, Judd. How good is he in games, by the way? Let's talk about it a little How bit more. Sa- Sage Rosenfels discussed it last hour. Nice. If you missed any of that, check that out on iTunes. Just type in Purple Daily. You'll find it. And uh, we're going to discuss that a little bit more. But some very interesting commentary on Mitch Trubisky's mm-hmm. training camp. When we return, you are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Join Dan Terhar and myself this Wednesday for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and the Colorado Rapids. Pre-game at 6.30 p.m. with kickoff at 7. Right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. Now back to Purple Daily.
All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad doing his 16th hour of radio already today. He's got several more to go. Um, uh, Judd, here's a quote from the Chicago Tribune on Mitch Trubisky. I think you're going to be very interested in this. All right. Quote from the Tribune. He hasn't exactly passed the eye test in training camp. Mm. Too many interceptions, too many throws off the mark, and too many days where the quarterback and his offense have been uneven. I will tell you this, Judd. I watched a lot of Mitch Trubisky last year on the coaches' film and everything else. I have looked through the numbers and the success that he had throwing the ball and, and was his fantasy stats matching up with his actual performance. And I could say this that Trubisky just has, uh, I mean, uh, the potential to completely fall off the table this year and really go in the dumps if he can't just get um, uh, raised up by Matt Nagy. Because it looks from his training camp performance like the major issues that exist for Mitch Trubisky have not been fixed so far, and they're very problematic, starting with he's just not accurate very often right i mean that's good that's a big big problem and even though he beat the vikings twice last year you also remember he threw two picks to anthony harris last defense, year in chicago that bears defense was pretty damn good if i recall correctly yes. as well especially in the game at chicago and if they fall off at all even with the number of weapons trubisky has i mean this could be a major problem and it could also make us look back at that draft and go oh yeah what in the world was someone picking mitch trubisky for because all these signs were there the inaccuracy the poor footwork at times and compared to Deshaun Watson, who's winning the national and, championship, and where, they, and where they they picked him makes to this day no sense. Fourth overall, right? Yeah, yeah. They traded, right? Uh, yes, they they traded. And then they wouldn't tell him. John Fox, who was coach at that time, right. what the intention was. Right. And then they took this kid. It still makes no sense. Out of North Carolina, one year starter, which is a red flag. Did that quote in, in the Chicago Tribune come from a scout or somebody with uh, connected with the Bears? The uh, reporter who's covering them. Okay, interesting. Well, you know what? The Bears are, there's always going to be a team or two to take a, a significant step backwards. And I like that defense. But we know for a fact that it's not sustainable for a defense that scores a ton of points to necessarily come back and be like, oh, they're going to score that amount again. That's arbitrary, much more so. So if I had to pick a team or two that I thought, okay, this legitimately could, could take a big step back, the Bears are on that list. And the other thing about the Bears that I think, and this is just a karma thing, but the fact that Nagy has spent all of this time basically focusing on the negative, right? He's yep. always reminding his players about the double doink game and Cody yep. Parkey and the whole, just the whole circus that they've caused with this like kicking competition, which was just silly. Um, I'm very curious to see if year two for, for him even comes close because I'm hard pressed to think of a coach who insists on on focusing on what went wrong. Who the players are like that was a really good idea. You know what we thought about that Eagles game and it really now that's not to say that you can't use that game as inspiration, but it sounds like every day he was talking about yeah. this game. So all of this to me adds up to being very unusual. Making them watch it back was very bizarre. Now Zimmer didn't make them watch it back. The NFC Championship game from 2017 that didn't make any difference. Um, so who knows about that? But I agree that he sort of showed a little bit of panic level there as a head coach with the way that he handled the kicking nonsense and uh, dealing with that loss in that game. I want you to guess, Judd. Yes, sir. Uh, where Mitch Trubisky 
Trubisky ranked as a passer by pro football focus. Not the running part of it, just passing grade, throwing up the football. Drew Brees was number one, Patrick Mahomes number two, Phillip Rivers number three, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, Rodgers, Wilson. So these are the best throwers of the football last year. Where, out of 30 qualifying quarterbacks, where he ranked? Hmm. Kirk Cousins was 13th. With the, the way, way that you set me up, I'm going to say 26th. 29th of 30. Wow. The only quarterback who was worse was Josh Rosen, who was just in the worst situation I've <laughs> ever yeah. seen, and set a rookie. Fail. And the ahead of him were also the other rookies, Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. And then, I mean, he's behind Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, Eli Manning last year in terms of just throwing. Now, his running grade, he is the best in the entire NFL last year. So that would make sense. And we saw that for him causing problems for the Vikings running the football. But I think this is one where we're going to look back and go, can you explain why you wouldn't pick the guy who won the national championship over Alabama? Can you explain why you wouldn't pick the son of a baseball player who could throw a football like no one has ever thrown a football outside of Brett Favre before? Right. And instead you picked a one-year starter whose stats weren't even that impressive and had major gaps in his game? He's, and he's a great athlete for sure, Mitch Trubisky. But, but as far as playing quarterback... To, Matthew, this goes back to... and. and Football executives might be the most guilty of this in any sport, the more I think about it. It's what we talked about um, in discussing the kicker and long snapper and punter with the Vikings. The need to get cute, the need to overthink, yeah. the need to think that you see something that nobody else does. Yep. Like football, I don't understand why football people can't be like, you know what, common sense says this. Instead, they try to get cute. And this is uh, this Bears thing, Trubisky, is getting cute. It's like he's an athlete, and we can take him, yep. and, and here's the most dangerous term probably. We can mold him. We can mold him into sure. a player. It's like that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player, but the list that you just went through, if I had taken you into the Bears draft room that night and given you those three quarterback names, are you telling me that, that you would have said, you know what, I really like this Trubisky kid who I don't know that much about, but I'm going to take him. No way would you have done that. Well, I've got the tweets to prove that I wouldn't have. Um, I, I, I'm very proud of those tweets about how uh, – Mahomes is the best quarterback in the draft, but I'd be hard-pressed not to pick Watson. And I love I Watson. I didn't even think that Mitch Trubisky was on the radar of being the top quarterback no. in, in that draft because Watson was so incredibly good. And if it were me, if yep. I'm going down, I'm going down with the guy who just drove against Alabama and is also a great athlete and is a gamer and has been through a lot in his life to have to be even in this position. That's some seldom-used kid. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what Trubisky right. yeah. was. Yeah, that's right. He's a one-year starter. So um, it, this shouldn't change how you think about the NFC North a ton. But would anybody be surprised if the NFC North played out something like this? The Vikings win the division at 10-6. and six. Okay. The Packers are 9-7 and seven right behind them. And then it's 8-8 eight and eight and 8-8 eight and eight with uh, Detroit and Chicago. Because I, I definitely think, Judd, that Detroit can be better than what they were last year. And they won six games. They've got a lot of defensive talent that they've added. And as long as their coach doesn't implode, they can be a competitive team. I think Detroit's got the personnel uh, to definitely be improved. I also think that that guy is just a buffoon. Could so be. It would not it would not surprise me. Vikings on top. Packers second. Or, or. Other way around. Up. Yeah, Packers other way around. Yep. Vikings second. Bears eight and eight could easily see that, and then Detroit wins like six games, and he gets canned. 
yeah, because he yeah, should win more. Yeah. I just don't see his his demeanor and and approach to me just screams of he ain't changing. Yeah. Yeah. Like he'll try. Yep. And and we've all seen coaches try, right? Uh, but one can, right here. But they can only try for so long. Yep. And then they inevitably go back to being, you know, Childress, right? Childress, first year. I'm Belichick. I'm a hard ass. It's like, no, you're not. And then year two, <laughs> he comes back and he's like, I'm Dungy now. I, I hung out with Tony this summer. I'm Dungy. And it's like, players are like, what? And by the end, 2010, he was back to being just, you know, Belichick. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Mr. Discipline. And players are like, bleep it. Um, okay, so we, that's something that I'm going to be watching from the very beginning of the season because week four, to me, is a pivotal swing game for the Vikings' entire season. And if Mitch Trubisky comes out and doesn't look any better, but now all of a sudden has to kind of make up for some things yep. with the defense that they're not scoring points for him. And remember, even though Trubisky had good numbers overall, it's not like Chicago's offense, even though they have a ton of talent, their playmakers are as good as anybody's group last year, it's not like they really lit the world on fire in terms of offensive scoring they were just like what did the bears get like, defensively okay. for points mm, that's a good question i think it was i think it was substantial it was a lot and it was a, i and i think it's the exact type of stat that's not repeatable so i'm trying to pull this up here uh scoring percentage offensively scoring percentage will tell you just the offense sure and, and not the defense they were 19th in scoring percentage last year the vikings 23rd by the way but teams that were better than the bears in scoring percentage included the 49ers, the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Giants. The New York Giants actually didn't have a horrific offense last year because of Pat Shermer. Yeah. The Bears were basically tied in scoring percentage with Cincinnati and Detroit. They were not a great offense last year, and I know a couple of those games are Chase Daniel, but that really tells you just how much the defense had to do mm -hmm. to make them a very good team, and that's going to be very hard to repeat. Okay, um, Judd, did you... I know that you watched the game on Friday night because you did a version of Ventline yes, after the preseason game. Yes, Tell me on that Ventline episode what you talked about, what your initial takeaway was, and what it means toward the rest of camp. You'd be very proud because I am holding up for you my notebook on oh, which I that. took notes off that game and wrote down some names. Hercules Mata'afu can play a little bit. Mata'afa, but yes. Mata'afa. Zim was right. He can play a little bit. I liked him. Uh, he's not big, but I, I like the I like the speed there. Um, Irv Smith Jr., your reports are exactly right. I think he's going to be good at some point in time. Incredibly raw. Yep. They, they are going to they are going to have to to stick to their contention that they're going to give him certain jobs, and that's going to be it. So if you give this kid too much, you're asking for trouble. Do you think it would be crazy this year? Because I don't. If Tyler Conklin ended up the second-year guy who they really liked out of Central Michigan and catches everything. In training camp, you could throw it anywhere. This sure. man has giant mitts, and he'll catch it. Sure. Would you be even halfway surprised if he ends up with like 40 catches or 35 catches and Irv Smith is the number three tight end ultimately because Conklin just knows the offense better, he can block a little bit, and he's a much more adjusted tight end? After last year only catching five passes, from what I've seen in camp, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they end up trusting Tyler Conklin more and he becomes the guy that we thought Irv Smith was going to be. Surprise percentage for me on that one would be zero. Because it's such a hard position. Right, right. And you cannot, you cannot throw a kid in and say, go get him. Yeah. It's going to blow up. Yeah. So, so, and 
actually, if that's the plan too, guess what? It's a good plan. You, you can, you've got to give Irv Smith as much as he can handle, but it's got to be if if we're we're talking percentage of the tight end playbook portion, it's probably what ten percent right now. That's fair. Yeah. So that's it. So no, I would not be and and if the, if Conklin can do the job, that's fantastic. But it did strike me that the kid's got talent and I like him, but it's going to be a big ask, at least for the first eight games or so. Yeah, I I think that um, they maybe did the right thing by drafting somebody like Tyler Conklin last year, taking another swing, because eventually you figure you're going to land on somebody who's halfway decent, and, and Michael Pruitt wasn't, and Bucky Hodges right, sure wasn't. That's why you keep, keep trying to take those swings, right? I mean, sometimes they do smart stuff. Can we uh, can we don't. just real quick talk about Bucky Hodges tweeting that he's better than Kyle Rudolph? Well, and he's changed his name now. Is that right? Or he's gone away from Bucky to his given name? Is yeah, that what which I'm not sure how to pronounce exactly. But it took me a while though because I saw that and I'm like, is that Bucky? Is that Bucky Hodges? And then I was like, oh yeah, that's Bucky Hodges. He tweeted that uh, basically Kyle Rudolph has nothing on him. And why would you do that? Because he's a complete idiot. Like, if anyone ever asked me the dumbest player I've ever been around, I think Bucky Hodges is the guy that I would probably say. Someone who was just completely aloof and clueless about how to be in the NFL. Uh, But him tweeting, this sixth-round pick who didn't even make the team, tweeting that he's better than Kyle Rudolph is hilarious. you guys on his introductory conference call here that he was going to be an all-time great or something? Legendary was the word from from him. Uh, All right, so what else you got? Note three. Amir Abdullah. Dude, okay. You got a chance here. Like you can make this roster. Hang on to the ball. But yeah. Well, and switch and trying to what? Move the ball or sw- what are you doing? No, but I'm 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 serious. Like I, I don't what know. are you doing? This is the you dropped the football. Like if you got hit, it it would be unfortunate, you know, if a helmet hit the ball, right? Or if your arm get got hit, and you would still say that shouldn't happen, but I get what happened. But you you are in contention for a punt return job, which right. by the way is really tough. Hang on to the ball and carrying the ball essentially in the open field. You just dropped it. So here's my impression after listening to Mike Zimmer <sighs> yesterday: is don't even talk about Amir Abdullah or Mike Boone basically, as a number two running back or as somebody who's going to be a big part of the offense. Maybe mix in every once in a while or something. Uh, Abdullah can run routes and catch the ball, but I think he's going to be mostly a special teams guy. Zimmer talked about not really being able to trust either one of them when it came to pass protection, so that limits the number of plays that they can use them for. I'm at, don't even discuss this. It is Alexander Madison's job as number two. Zimmer if you read the quote, you won't quite get it. You had to see him yeah. because he stopped himself and said, how do I want to put this? Yes. And it was like, Madison has a chance to be really good. The other guys exist for sure. <laughs> like, you know, they're definitely guys who have uniforms and they're here and I see them, yep. but they don't really have any sort of chance to be a number two running back. And I will say, even though Madison, and this is just where, the one preseason game is a lot different than what you see on a daily basis. Madison has been one of the most impressive players in the entire training camp, mm-hmm. and I can totally see why they feel can like. He block? But but that's the problem. Can not he pick yet. Up the protection. That's the. Here, here's when I knew that uh, Delvin Cook was going to be something else, and we'll see if he actually is or if injuries hold him back. 
But when Delvin Cook picked up on pass protection in training camp in like two seconds, yep. you're like, okay, there's something different about this man. Uh, where Madison is a very bright kid, but it just takes a lot of time. And so they can't really trust him in that role yet. Um, so he's not going to have, I, I think it was an inaccurate way to put it that they wanted a Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray is one of the best pass-protecting running backs of the last decade. So this guy's not going to be Latavius Murray. I think what he's going to be is you can bring him in, and if Cook is hurt or if Cook needs a couple of uh, you know sequences off, then you can do that, and Alexander Madison is going to be able to step right in. And I actually liked... It was a play that was called back. Unfortunately, there were many of those. Yeah, I want to get to that in a second. There was a throw behind Madison that he looked back and then had to just snipe out of the air, and he grabbed it. And I think he can kind of do it all when it comes to catching and running. Um, So I like him, but that's that's a thing. If again to the conversation that we've had for a couple weeks now here, if Cook gets hurt, it's not just a blow to the run game and pass game. The pass protection thing, too, is absolutely absolutely huge. The Abdullah thing that that scares me is not that he's going to win a running back job. What scared me about the fumble, though, is if he truly is in contention to return kicks or punts, like, dude, everything you do when when you drop that ball now influences how I feel about it. Sure. So if you're returning a kick, a punt, the punt return job, again, is incredibly hard because guys are on you like that. If I can't trust you in the open field with the football in your basically cradled to hold on to it, I got problems. Uh, penalties. Uh, um, I got a name written down here on my notepad from Friday. Uh, Clay Martin. Okay. Clay Martin was the head official on Friday. Oh, I was going to say, who the hell is that? And I under and listen, I understand that Zim, Zim comes back and it's the obligatory. We took too many penalties, and he's right about that. But honest to God, officiating crews, you don't need to throw a flag on every play. In the preseason, this, this is do. them. But this is them, too. Like, this is, we don't need this. We don't. Your game, your preseason game, sucks already. Okay, it's not good, right? It's, <laughs> yeah, but it's not it's, good. It's bad. But I don't. But but more than the Saints and Vikings being at fault here, I don't need to sit down and try and watch a game in the month of August and see you practicing throwing flags. So, more than anything, that was a debacle from the officials. There's a penalty you could call on every play, and thank God most crews are smart enough not to. But that. Absolutely. I was I was at my wits end with how many flags those people threw. All right, let's take a break. When we return, let's talk about one particular play from Kirk Cousins and whether we will actually see this. Actually, two plays and whether we will actually, actually see them. And then, yes, Kyle Sloter. Let us discuss when we wrap up the show and we return. Mackie and Judd with Rami is on from 4 to 6, and there are some baseball decisions to discuss at that time. Oh, yeah. We'll be right back. You're listening to Score North. Three fifty here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. Let's start here. He had... Two catches, 35 yards, and one touchdown. That's what This is what that one touchdown sounded like. 6-13, third and four. Mannion in the gun. Saints showing pressure. They bring pressure. Mannion has time, throws to the near sideline, and that ball is going to be caught at the front pylon. Ola B.C. Johnson with the reception and a touchdown for the Minnesota Vikings. Ola B.C. Johnson, one of the guys up for the Mr. Mankato Award. He's kind of in a long shot right now because... Alexander Madison's the front runner by a mile on that one, so we'll see how he does. 
Here's what Zim had to say about old BC Johnson's training camp and his preseason game so far. You know, he's doing a lot of jobs. Uh, special teams, I thought he did well on special teams, which is important. I also think he did uh, you know, a nice job in his obviously catching catching the ball, but he's a guy that can play multiple spots, and I think the more that he's done that, the more he's been able to get involved in the in the offense. So who's the guy that impressed you the most Friday night or so far through training camp? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Purple Daily. Okay, Judd, for our last segment here, we need to discuss two things that happened with Kirk Cousins and whether you think they'll happen in the regular season, and then your adopted son, Kyle Sloter. Okay. He ran on a third down to gain a first down. We barely saw that last year. Yes. And he threw the ball up when Adam Thielen was mostly covered. Yes. And Thielen made an incredible catch. Here's my shocked face. Will those things happen often during the NFL regular season with Kirk Cousins? The Thielen play actually, on which he made, he did make a great catch, reminded me of, uh, was it week two last year in Green Bay? Yep. Where he was covered again and made an uh, unbelievable catch. However, I will say on the latter question, my answer will be for the most part no. I don't think Cousins is going to change. I don't think Cousins is ever going to be comfortable trying to force the ball where he feels it does not belong. Might we see it a little bit more? Maybe. A lot more or consistently? Absolutely not. Uh, question one, though? Yes. This oh, The one thing, let's, let's wipe out, Matthew, all the stats from Friday, okay? Let's just forget what the stat sheets say, and let's just take what we saw. And the one thing that I saw that I like a lot and that I think they're going to do a lot is they're going to have Cousins moving. And, heck, you sat by me in the press box at home games last year and said, how many times? Why don't they have him moving more? Because he, if he stands in the pocket for Kirk Cousins, almost nothing good happens. It's not his style. He can then be stripped of the football, which, by the way, if they have him do that again, he's going to be prone to do. That's never going to change. It's how he holds the ball. Sorry. Um, it, it can be fixed in small doses, but it's always going to come back at some point in time. So to answer your first question, I believe that Kirk Cousins now on the move, throwing the ball, um, getting down the field himself at times, we are going to see a lot, and I think it's a very solid idea. And, and it's one of the reasons why Filippo was fired and why Gary Kubiak in specific, God bless you, Kevin Stefanski, but Gary Kubiak in specific is here. Yep, I agree with all that. And even if he is not throwing it up for grabs into double coverage, that was not double coverage, that was single coverage. And if he's got single coverage, most quarterbacks with his level of accuracy are going to make a throw to single coverage. So it wasn't like last year he didn't go to single coverage. It was last year there were times where defenses just said, you know what, we're going to double those two guys and you won't throw it. And I understand why they wouldn't throw it, but I think that those two receivers can still make plays. The running bit of it is shockingly important when it comes to points added. Like There were almost no incidences of Kirk Cousins running for a first down on a third and five, third and six, third and seven, and those are value. Those get you closer to scoring. Those are are turnovers when you don't do it. And Bridgewater wasn't fast. Keenum wasn't fast. There are plenty of quarterbacks that aren't fast that will take off and get get that first down. It has nothing to do with speed whatsoever. I can't see him doing it that much more often, but in the past he has been better than he was last year. Last year he was abysmal at running, and in the past there was a game against Kansas City in 2017 where his team was down, and he would drop back, couldn't find anybody, 
I think it was Kansas City who was playing good defense, and he took off running two or three separate times on one drive and got first downs and led to, I think, a game-tying field goal or something like that. And it was like, okay, where was that last year? We didn't see any of it last year. Maybe he was afraid to turn the ball over. Maybe it was how defense I think he didn't played. have the freedom. Maybe he didn't have the freedom. I don't yeah, think I don't he know. felt comfortable because they didn't. But Zimmer did say at one point that he wants him to run more. So I, do, I do think we'll see a little more of he that. He needs to move. Okay. His best chance of protecting the football consistently is to move. Yes. If he stands yeah. there, he's a dead duck. And it, so he's not going to just like shuffle around the pocket, right? He's not going to do that. He's not going to have these great feet that just move him from place to place like Rodgers or Brady. Right, or but Brady's. he'll move out of the pocket. But literally, if, he'll just move. But him. if he could just run at the right times and do the bootlegs when he's told to, that yes. will be an improvement from last year where he was just standing in one spot the whole game. Um, all right. I waited till the end, Judd, because I know you're excited to talk about Kyle Sloter's performance. All he does when put into games is succeed. It's you know, so you guys. True. You and Cronin and all you geniuses go out to Egan and you watch him on the cute little fields out there. They got three or four fields where it don't mean anything. You can rotate the fields. Yeah, yeah, Great. Good for them. But guess what? The games out there, last time I checked, don't count in the NFC North standings. And neither do preseason games. But when I, well, but it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter. You know what? I've got a new nickname for my guy, uh, Kyle Sloter. WT, winning time. <laughs> So when you need a win, winning time, when you need a win, okay. you say, winning time, get in there. And all he's going to do is matriculate the football down the field Man, to a touchdown. You are out of control. How good is this guy in games? It's hilarious how good he is in games. It's really funny. Um, now, it's, it's unbelievable because you guys are like, he's terrible in practices. It's really quite bad. And I think quite last bad. year he had some of the same problems yep, in practice. he did. It wasn't even close in practice and hasn't been even close this year, and that's why he's the number 3 quarterback. Intangibles, now, Matthew. Whether, here's what I wonder. Is he going to actually get a shot? Like, in this next preseason game, is there any chance that they use him with the twos? I say probably not. I mean, because it's just been Sean Mannion and then Browning and uh, Sloter mixing in and out. But it was funny that he comes out and just leads him down the field, as he always does. Okay, when it comes to quarterbacks, it does feel like Rick gives Mike uh, quarterbacks he won't necessarily like but can deal with. Mannion, he's got experience, yeah. right? Like yep. so, so we tell Mike, Mike, we're going to give you the most experienced guy. If, if he has to play, it might not be good, but he, he knows what to do. Like he's not going to screw up practices. He's going to, and so Mike, so Mike's blood pressure is still low on on that one. So why on earth, when it comes to kickers, don't they just say the same thing? Like this whole kicking punting thing. It's as if they un- they understand what Zim can deal with on quarterbacks. But then when it comes to specialists who probably are worse, can you imagine in Mike's brain what Mike thinks about the fact that some guy with a foot decides football games? <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, I know. Like you sit in your office. Like, I know. This guy was almost blind and grinding film to try and find some double A gap scheme that would screw up a team. And then he knows at the end of that game that all of this work might come down to some guy who weighs 165 uh-huh. putting his foot to, to the football to try and kick it through the goalposts. And that's why any team I've ever been around that had consistent kicking and punting, they had uh, a supreme reverence for that person because they're like, you you can actually do this consistently. We never have to think about you. Like Brian Mormon was a folk hero in yes. Buffalo because he was so consistent and good that you just never had to worry about it. Well, 
Uh, we'll see how it continues to play out if Sloter does get any second-team reps. I kind of doubt it at this moment. I'm with you. I don't think he But will. the question will be, do they cut him or do they keep him? Jake Browning hasn't been too bad, um, and, and I would be even interested to see if Jake Browning is the third quarterback in at any point. And if he is, then we really know how they feel. Quick question. Before this year is done, at some point in time, are we going to see the kid from Baltimore handling both kicking and punting here? Um, I'm going to say no. Okay. I, I don't think he could do both. But... It has been thrown out there. But if anybody, yeah, okay, if Dan, if, any if Dan Bailey in week three or week two, Green Bay, right? Again, yep, yep. Let's say Dan Bailey misses a field goal, an extra point. Is there a fighting chance in week three? This poor kids are going to say, "Go get him." Okay, yes, there is. I'm going to still say no because I think Dan Bailey is just going to handle this. I'm putting my chips on the Dan ba- Bailey table, but that could go completely wrong. But, but it's I, not fair because his long snapper could screw him up. Yep, yep. His holder could. And you know what Mike's going to be? Mike's going to say, well, he's got to make that kick. Yep. Oh, man. They have made this quite dramatic. All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. If you missed any of the show, go to iTunes, or even if you'd like to listen to it on your desktop, scorenorth.com. We've got plenty of training camp and twins coverage there, so uh, make sure you check that out. We'll be back, as always, tomorrow, Wednesday. Courtney Cronin will be in uh, in studio for the whole show, so Continue to move through the offseason. All right, we'll be uh, we'll be right back here with Mac and Joe with Rami on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Already? I'll be right there. It's happening. Take I-5 South. You are on the fastest route. Mom says, OMG. I'll let everyone know. You have arrived. Honey, I'm I'm right here. She's doing great. We're almost there. She's perfect. Hey, baby girl. The whole world can't wait to meet you. Live larger with more coverage. Share your news, big and small, on AT&T, the network that now covers more than 99% of Oregonians. Visit your AT&T store to learn more. Coverage isn't available everywhere based on third-party data.